Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Why it's called Bell's Hill? Because there is a, a, a row of, uh, of quarry workers' houses owned by a Mr. Bell. Apparently. So I've lived here my whole life and I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, you never end up, you, truly, you never look up. I quite like the etymology of words and names, places, but yeah. I've only started really liking that, I suppose, since doing these trips that we do. Because mm. um, someone asked, quite rightly asked, what does Edinburgh mean? In mm. Edinburgh, you never ever think of things like that. But yeah. I was I was looking how to, I'm, I'm learning uh, sign language. Oh, cool. British sign language. Yeah, just while, while I'm on lockdown, so I can't work. Um, so I learned how to sign. Well, this is Scotland. That is good. Um, and I think Edinburgh is like, so you would sign E, D, and then H for uh. Oh, I love uh, that. Oh my God, anyway. is that because of the bagpipes? Yeah. Oh, she's got that. It's good <laughs> That is great. <laughs> so uh, we have started. This is absolutely bonkers that we are talking to each other. And I am in Bells Hill. And I've now learned the meaning of the word Bell Cell. And I'm speaking to Ross O.C. Jennings. Yeah. And you're in Guatemala City. Yep. Thousands of miles away. Isn't that mad? That's mental. But cool. But very cool. So cool. I'm absolutely thrilled and honoured that I'm, I'm chatting to you. I know we spoke about doing this like in real life. Um, all the way back in August last yeah, year. Yeah, last year. And then, oh yes, unfortunately I couldn't because of some bad news. And then December, that was going to happen. So, so sorry, yeah. No, now, no please don't apologise. This is this is exciting that we're doing it. Um, I'm so grateful to you. Uh, for people listening, uh, Ross and I have never met. I don't know Ross. It was one of my other kind of famous Instagram stalking sessions. <laughs> I would have all been there. <laughs> uh, and I came across your amazing page a while back and was just like totally blown away and just wanted to know so much about your story and I don't know if we, we probably don't need to go chronologically but in terms of jump about, yeah. you being a musician mm-hmm. has music just been all, always been in your life? It's funny I, I slightly not cringe at the the idea of being called a musician but I I feel like a bit of an imposter if someone calls me a musician just because I definitely have more passion than I do have ability when it comes to playing the bagpipes. Um, but that's all you need. That's all that's you need. <laughs> is passion. That's so, why you're here. <laughs> uh, I yeah. I I suppose yes. I suppose if you do play an in- instrument, if you sing, you are you are a musician, and and it's lovely to be considered that. It's very flattering. But I, I think sometimes out of respect for other pipers, I, I'm like, or just it's very much a hobby. I'm not a professional. I I, I use it as a tool, and it is a it's a wonderful tool. But I suppose some musicians do that. People have different different purposes for learning instruments, sharing their music, playing an instrument, singing, etc. And um, for me, of course, it makes me makes me happy, makes me cry, mm-hmm. as does as does many um, instruments for many people. But it's also a fantastic catalyst for meeting people. I mean, not just the bagpipes, but the kilt as well. Mm-hmm. Because, um, just for the listeners out there, um, it's my aim to to play the bagpipes <clears throat> in every country of the world. And I started, um, well, I started traveling with my pipes about six years ago. Well, it was just under six years ago. And um, I, I had traveled previously with my pipes uh, before that, but um, it had never been with the aim to pipe in every country. And I, over the past six years, it's just incredible how, yeah, how it's so cheesy to say, I want to get out of the way, how music is the international language of, of love if that's what they call it, or it's just an international method of connection. Yeah, I've literally written that down in my notes. (laughs) Equally cheesy. (laughs) So, you know, the bagpipes, is that something you learned as a wee person? Uh, It it was, yes. I wasn't too wee. Uh, I was 14 years, I think I just turned 14, and I was at school and I was given the opportunity to learn. Now, the, the weird thing about that is that Things don't match up quite well because I know my based on my accent I don't sound Scottish at all. Unfortunately, I'm I sound very English, and to to, to kind of 
give a bit of background as to that. My mother is the Scottish one. They come from, her family come from Dumfries and Galloway, Kukubri. But I've never lived there. That's the thing. My father as well comes from Ireland. Um, Dundalk also never lived there. Maybe a month. But our family spent the majority of our our lives growing up in Asia, um, in China in particular. And um, it's weird. When you grow up abroad, you almost become not more more Scottish you you almost attach yourself onto this idea of where you should be from and so far so because of that I kind of did with the idea of of being Scottish and then I was sent I was actually sent to school in England which is very close to where my grandparents lived and that's where I picked up the bagpipes and um and picked up this accent amazing so playing the bagpipes at school what are you thinking you're going to do with your life Great question. Never thought bagpipes were going to become an important part of my life. But despite how enthusiastic and awesome my bagpipe teacher was, uh, she was this this wonderful lady called Bernie Aiken. And um, I, she, it was, she was a classic example of somebody who makes teaching fun. It's not about what you teach, but it's how you teach it. She was just so cool. The fact that she was just ultra, ultra liberal and, and, and mm. outgoing and made everything enjoyable and because I've heard some nightmare stories about some some really boring pipe teachers bagpipe teachers which put people off the bagpipes and I yes. I have no experience of that whatsoever because Bernie was a legend <laughs> she sounds it yeah <laughs> so after school you were thinking you were going to do what so I at, yeah at school I suppose all these um things that made me happy and that I thought I was good at was were kind of like squash below all these things that were going to make me successful because mm. when you're at school, even now, plenty of people do it. Your schools, because they're kind of controlled by Ofsted or all these other uh, bodies and they're, they're, they're by their grades, they, they want you to go to a good university and they mm. want you to do something which makes them look good. No, no um, hard feelings towards that. I was encouraged to go to university in Edinburgh um, to study economics and Chinese and with that work in finance. Um, no. No, thanks. Um, but it took me, it took me, I mean, it's, it took me a while to work out. That's what I didn't want to do because, uh, thank goodness for work experience when you're forced to do things like that. Cause you're like, ah. no, no way would I do this? So I took a year out in between high school and university and traveled a lot, but also worked. I worked, traveled, worked, traveled, worked because the working was obviously paying for the traveling. And a big part of that was being in China and, um, piping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is really cool and it's so ridiculous, but I was, Basically, one in a billion when it came to being the only piper in China. What? I know, isn't that mad? Uh, so it, that was, I'm sure there are other pipers, but we're just going to keep keep that cool little, little little fact. Because my parents had been living in China since 1996, roughly. And um, they knew the, the ambassador. You kind of have to when you, you're a British citizen abroad. Mm. And uh, every time someone wanted a piper, they would contact the embassy. They'd contact my parents and be like, where's Ross? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fly him to... <laughs> To, to this whiskey oh tasting. It was so cool. So it was a very good opportunity for me to build up confidence, to travel with the pipes and use it as a method of connecting with people, but also earning money. But again, it never was the forefront of what I wanted to do because oh, I didn't right. think of myself as a musician. Went to university in Edinburgh and then did the worst thing. And um, that was not join a bagpipe band. Right, got you. Oh, which is so stupid. Uh, I mean, it's not great to regret things, but I think I do regret that a little bit. I was so nervous that this is so silly. I've always been very self-conscious of my, my accent. And I was very nervous about joining a bagpipe band um, because I didn't want to be teased for having an English accent. You're joking. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, yeah. But then you tell yourself a story. Yeah. That's what happens, you know, and then, I, yeah, I mean, I understand that you're looking back, you're like, oh, that might have been a good idea, but hey, yeah. you're on a, you're on a path and look where you are now. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? Very true. So very true. obviously comfortable, you know, traveling, wanting to experience the world and having the bagpipes, that's a great asset to have, like, yeah. like you're saying, to play an instrument to any degree. You know, it just unites people, brings people together. It's a bit of intrigue, like, oh, what's he doing over there? What's that strange sound? It's also a, um, it's, it's such a great way of, uh, of forcing your hand when it comes to things like building up confidence. When you're a musician, you have to sit on stage. You're subject to people's opinions, negative opinions, especially nowadays with, with, with lots of social media, online stuff. And actually, I can look back and even now reflect on, on how my confidence has been built through piping and performing in public and even posting things online. 
when I first started traveling with the backpacks, I never posted videos because I was so nervous that wow. people would be really mean about me playing the bagpipes and it being out of tune and this obsession with being perfect. And it had to be this polished, perfect of pic- picture or video to go up. Otherwise, it wouldn't go online. And now that's changed because, like, obviously, I don't care as much. I'm mm-hmm. a lot older. I've hit my 30s. So well, <laughs> an old man <laughs> down here from here. But that's so, like, again, it's that kind of story you tell yourself that something has to be perfect before it goes out there. And to share the more vulnerable side of yourself yeah. or something that's a bit imperfect, I think on the on the most part, people will be kind and, be, and feel like, oh, that's cool that he's doing that because you know, then they're maybe open to doing it more. And that's why I've kind of done the podcast, because when you speak to people, you realise we're all the same. We've all got our things or hang-ups that we worry about and stuff. And that somebody would look at you and go, Ross is amazing, like I did. Do you know what I mean? He's doing amazing things. There's no judgment. I'm like, you can play the bagpipes. I mean, you're <laughs> saying, oh, don't call me a musician. But I'm like, you are. You play an instrument. That's great. Do you know what I mean? People will be looking at you, but yeah, that thought of um, imposter syndrome, I totally get that because, you know, I've got that in my art form. And then a lot of the time people buy people. So that whole connection thing that you're talking about, the instrument's obviously maybe a way in or the kill is. But then obviously the success you've had in the traveling, the people you've met and the experiences, that'll be also down to you as, as Ross, the kind of person you are. Sure, I think there's there's a bit of that, but I what I I like the idea that it is not just me; it's also the pipes and the kilt combo that can do that. So if you took me out the picture and you put someone else in there, the kilt would still allow, and the bagpipes would still allow that to happen, which is yeah. which I think is which I think is really cool. The bagpipes, as I'm sure you know, plenty of people who are listening know, is it's such an international instrument. It is Scottish, yes. The Great Highland bagpipes are Scottish, but they're not just Scottish, mm. which is which is pretty cool. There's um there's there's something like over 130 different types of bagpipes around the world from over yeah 40 different countries and all this stuff I didn't know until I started traveling because mm. I was I've been put in situations where I turn around and had to go look I have no idea but I'll go and research that. Which is fun, and, and as a result of that, I now do these seminars and workshops in schools. Well, I did up until about a month ago. Oh, tell me about <laughs> it. But that, that idea of passing on what you know and to, to, to younger people as well, like you're saying, for the next generation of bagpipes and kilt wearers. It wears out there. Well, even <laughs> it is, that, that's, that's one thing which I do like to push, and it's, I mean, a slight unfortunate side effect of going into a school and speaking about the bagpipes is that, a lot of them are international schools and they have no capacity or ability to teach the bagpipes. But then they have mm. students going back and being like, oh, I want to learn the bagpipes now. And they're like, damn it. Um, <sighs> aside from that, I, 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 well, it's quite nice sharing just the idea that you can, uh, it is cheesy, but like you can do, you can do what you want if you truly set your mind to it. And I'm I kind of presenting myself as a case in point. I'm literally wearing, a skirt, wearing a skirt mm. and playing a noisy instrument and have managed to make a living out of it. Um, I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah. So, you're, you've coined yourself as the first piper. I know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that it's an affirmation is it right? Okay. So it's because because I've had p- plenty of plenty of um, uh, negative messages about it. The first piper. How dare you call yourself? The You're first joking. Piper. Yeah. Um, last yeah. year, God, I had I had this one relentless individual who just wouldn't stop, and was asking for proof for every single country I went to. And and I was and I had to just remind this chap that this is an affirmation. It hasn't happened yet. It's something that I want to happen. And you know what? That's not the the the, the most important part of the journey now. Um, no. It's just it's just a, a, a title, which is a ridiculous yeah. title. Um, but at the end so. of the day, I will be the first piper called Ross O'Connell Jennings, who has a ginger beard, um, to play in every country if that happens. It will happen. <laughs> Thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. And yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation recently, actually, with another piper on the podcast, Cameron Barnes. So Mm -hmm. Cameron plays, he plays pipes in the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Ah, yes. Okay. As as, as well as doing lots of other things. He's kind of started a solo career, but he was talking about the backlash of people saying, oh, what have you done to bagpipe music? Because, you know, they've put this kind of modern slant on it. They're maybe playing like more kind of popular kind of culture tunes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of backlash. Yeah, people like the you know, people in the piping community, are like mm, that's no, you know, you're what not you're real doing, piping. Yeah, yeah, what you're doing to the traditions and it, oh my you know, god, as someone who I worked for a Scottish dance company for six years, yeah. and um, 
So I was fusing Scottish dance with contemporary styles, so a bit of Bollywood and a bit of hip hop. And it was basically to to get kids wanting to do Kaylee because Kaylee wasn't cool. So it was this way of kind of going, no, actually, it's just moves. It's just dance moves. And you could, you know, take this really traditional dance and you could combine it with your own style of dance move. Yeah. Yeah. And I did Kaylee Fusion. Well, especially with young um, young adults, children, and things like that, you do you need a kind of um, uh, a connection, like an olive branch, in order to like lure them in to be like it's actually not that bad. And um, exactly, that's so funny. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers truly do that. And every school I go into, they are I, I dedicate a good five minutes to just speak, kind of speaking about them. I even play one of their. I mean, there's plenty of video clips, um, but I play one of their tunes, and it's so funny how kids like. The reactions of people's faces—they're like, "Wow, this instrument mm. is so cool!" Because so they're cool. playing in a they're playing in a Vici cover, and they're suddenly like, "Wow, I, I'm on board." <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing, and that's what he was saying. He was like, "You know, we have inspired so many young people to pick up, you know, the bagpipes. What what could be wrong with that?" And these songs and the way of playing, like any art form, mutates and has changed over the generations of you know being passed along. So how the traditional songs sounded way back, they were always going to be different anyway. So, uh, yeah, so you're not alone. <laughs> True. And actually, you know, that's a, it's a lovely thing to hear when, when with that because you often do feel like you're the only one who's making mistakes and being the idiot. And uh, But, yeah, it's good to hear people's failures, I suppose, isn't it? Keep making mistakes. Keep being the idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're doing a beautiful job of what you're doing. I've <laughs> been an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 this is, let's turn this around. It's a weird no, I'm joking. You, I'm joking. you Ross, are um, what I have coined the phrase as, you are a bra bag. A bra bag, I like that. Good. Yeah, it's so we're, well, putting a new, we're putting a new spin on it. So why why the world kind of record of being the first paper, this affirmation, what, what kind of marrying your love of the bagpipes and mm-hmm. new people and traveling the world, then what gave you the kind of idea to, to kind of try and do it? Reach your affirmation. Um, so it was in 20... So I just graduated from university and um, I, I I did... I applied for... <laughs> there was this 2013 Blue Peter presenter search and um, I did it quite well on it. Um, obviously, didn't get, I didn't get onto the, um, yeah, onto the actual... They had this kind of like X-factor type vote for the individuals, but I was invited to Manchester for screen testings or whatever, but I just wasn't confident enough. I was so nervous in front of the camera, but they were really nice. They were lovely. And they said, look, look, if, if, you, if you wanted to work in TV, then maybe. And that gave me this big confidence boost. And I thought, wow, that would be... As we all know, we're from the same generation. Being a Blue Peter presenter was like the coolest thing ever. Yes. Traveling the world, doing fun stuff. So that gave me a bit of a confidence boost. I was I was actually going to go work for Louis Vuitton in China and um, and then decided not to. I know. At, See, what? Is, yeah, I know, exactly. Very, very, very total tangent. Went on a different route. Went a bit left field there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, ended up graduating without a job, moved to London. And then I met a group of adventurers in January 2014 who, who convinced me. No, they, didn't, they weren't setting out to convince me to do anything, but they were just um, speaking about their adventures. There's this thing called the Adventure Travel Show, which happens at the end of January in London every year. And you go and hear these adventurers speak about their talks, you know, these people who are like polar explorers, climate mountains. And they're often very, very inspiring to, to just mm. simply use that word. And after meeting all of them and, and being at this event, I cycled home and this idea started to formulate in my mind. And I decided that I was going to be the first person to play in Antarctica. I was like, you know what? So excited. Um, I'm going I'm to go and do a bit of research because maybe I've got to check someone else, but someone else hasn't done it. But I was so set on this idea of, of just being the first person to do something googled it and up up pops this bloody photo of that piper next to a penguin you know have, you've probably seen it from 1904 or something oh, on the Scottish man. National Antarctic Expedition yeah so I was like damn it this guy's beating me about 100 years so in that moment I thought gosh what else can I could I, I can do and I thought this is pretty ambitious but why not just try try and pipe in every country of the world and that was Kind of that was kind of it, um, and just like you said, and I like that little soundbite. Thoughts become things. It was a thought, and I kind of didn't tell my parents. Um, okay. Saved a bit of money, and then handed in my notice for this just this internship I was doing, and then booked a flight to Tunisia where I had a friend living, and um, and that was that. That was in April or May 2014, and uh, and then 
it all started from that. I, I, I had no work. It was all terrifying. I didn't know where my money was coming from. I wrote to lots of people because I had this ridiculous idea that people were just going to throw money at me because of sponsorship because <laughs> that's how it works. And everyone was like, no, <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Why on earth would we pay you to travel and have fun and do cool stuff? You've done nothing so far. You're not legitimate in any way. So go and do something and then maybe come back to us. And um, long story short, through a series of contacting people um, Instagram starting to become a thing, doing brand work, etc. Talking at schools, I was able to start traveling with the bagpipes. Six years on, the the journey has has reached just over a hundred countries, which is pretty cool because that's like a nice landmark. Um, yeah, uh, the USA was country number hundred last year at the the New York Tartan Week or Tartan Parade, which is which is a celebration of Scottish culture in uh, New York. They do a Scots Week mm. in LA as well. And I use that as the opportunity to pipe in the States. And obviously, bagpipe culture in, in North America is huge. So that was quite a fun place to play. That's um, incredible. I can't believe yeah. that. Talking about broad, brave stories, it's like a double whammy. Like To have that thought and be like, I'm doing this. And then not be put off by you know obstacles. And I'm sure, mentioned a few, but I'm sure there's been a million other obstacles as you've went along. <laughs> where you could have yeah. been. What the hell do I do now? Yeah. So no doubt you have met so many wonderful interesting weird people and had so many different experiences i think you need your own podcast series for a start <laughs> is there particular moments or locations that you're just like that was pivotal mental? that was mental. yes um yeah for sure tunisia was definitely one of them i always seem mm. to, to um uh share the tunisia story when i'm if i'm doing interviews and things like that but it it was long story short tunisia was, i was there for about two weeks i had a friend living there and everything that happened there totally confirmed why I put this journey together. Uh, I, long story short, I, I got in trouble with the police because I'd rented a car. And the bagpipes ended up getting me out of the situation, um, which is just, just incredible because it turns out the national instrument of Tunisia is also the bagpipes, which is so cool. And there's some that of the. So cool. I mean, it's hard to kind of link it up because it's a thousands, it's an instrument which is thousands of years old, but. Some of the original bagpipe players might have come from what is current day Tunisia. Um, and that's mental. So like 3,000 years later to kind of full loop, I'm sure plenty of pipers, Scottish great Highland pipers have been to Tunisia, but that was fun. Just navigating that interaction everywhere I went, people flipping loved the bagpipes in Tunisia. And um, since going back to the Middle East and traveling a lot in the Middle East, they love the bagpipes absolutely are obsessed with it. The old bagpipes that have been around for thousands of years and also the great Highland bagpipes that we play in Scotland and even small pipes and things like that, they just love the sound of it because it's a big part of their folk culture. That is, that is pretty cool. Um, I suppose working out how on earth I was going to finance the journey was another pivotal point because you have to put yourself out there. I was literally cold calling, cold emailing people asking for work when I didn't really know what I could offer them. And I suppose I'm kind of in that situation now, again. <laughs> oh, wow. wondering, okay. wondering what on earth I'm going to do moving forward. Um, yeah. But it, it turns out, okay, so I, so I have kind of faith that, that, things will, that things will be all right at the end, at the end of the day. Um, navigating social media, that's grown and become a thing since I started mm. traveling. I think that's, a, that's a, an interesting hurdle and a blessing for many people. Um, it's definitely been a, a fantastic blessing for the piping journey because it's managed to connect me with so many people. Uh, other travel stories. I mean, un honestly, every country I've been to, I've, I've managed to meet someone which is, or done something which has kind of blown my mind in a really wonderful uh, way. To um, yeah, to pick another another country, Bhutan, which is this wonderful Himalayan country in between India and China. They, mm -hmm. they say it was the last Buddhist kingdom on earth, but in 2008 or 2009, the king enforced government on them. So it's constitutional monarchy, just like the UK. Ah. And um, when we went there, long story short, we were, we were kind of invited into one of the, the royal palaces to perform the bagpipes for one of the princesses, which was so cool. Mental. <laughs> and as, as I was performing, I was playing for her and she was like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I know that tune and I was like what how do you know that tune she's like can you play anything else and I was like what do you mean and she's like that's the Outlander theme tune turns out no. she absolutely loved Outlander Wait. yeah everybody loves Outlander 
<laughs> and I was like, well, Outlander theme tune is actually called the Skyboat song. So she was like, oh, right, okay. But yeah, Outlander theme tune. That's um, someone who's never watched Outlander and like people go crazy for it. And I'm just like, is this something I need to be watching? Because apparently it's amazing. I mean, even if even if it if you're not a big fan of anything that goes on in it, the actors, whatever, at least you can appreciate how much it is done for probably Scottish tourism. Yeah. Years and years ago when it came out, I'd never heard of it because it was a series of books. Oh, yes. It... Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, I've got a 1940s, 50s inspired dance troupe. And I got this email saying, you know, we're filming this thing called Outlander. Would you, your girls come and be 1940s nurses? And I was like, well, I don't know. And I, so I was like, to the cupcakes, I text them like, you know, we've been asked to do this this random thing. It's called Outlander. And one of the girls had read all the books. She was like a super fan. She was like having kittens. And I was like, what is it? And she was like, oh my God, it's Outlander. And I'm like, don't know what you're talking about. And this must have been like series one. The dates all got jumbled up and we couldn't do it. And she is still to this day gutted, gutted. (laughs) Totally gutted. I still not watched it, but everybody, everybody goes on about it. But yeah. It's it like it's like the bagpipes, like the Celts. It's you know it's putting Scotland in the map, I guess. <laughs> if you honestly, if you have a, if you have a moment over the next uh, however many months of quarantine, worth watching even one episode because then you you can at least be like, okay, that is that could be me. Anyway, so I, I rudely interrupted you. Not at all. But yeah, so she, she totally knew the princess. Uh, she, Bhutan. Yeah, the the the, the princess of Bhutan loved Outlander. Um, which was wonderful, and it was nice to be able to um, share a bit of this information and have her go. Oh, actually, I, I actually do know quite a lot of that, and it just being so familiar but so distant. Almost every country I go to, I I, I seem to have a, a lovely interaction like that. But I try and not set it up, but I'll try and make sure that I have different scenarios where that, that would allow that to happen. For example, I'll try and play in public, not always, just because I obviously get a bit nervous about getting in trouble now. Uh, when I was younger, I was a bit more carefree and would just do it. But now I'm a lot okay. more aware of how how loud and how not everyone appreciates the bagpipes. Uh, well, I'll, I'll do sometimes we'll do a bit of a challenge if I if 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 I can that will involve hiking up a mountain or a volcano or something and piping on top. Um, yeah. And that's always quite fun because then it's a bit physical and and it's quite nice playing on a mountain outside because that's the perfect Absolutely. atmosphere for the bagpipes. In January this or February, I can't remember we. We hiked up a uh, a volcano in Guatemala, and then that is a, it's an extinct volcano or dormant, and it looks at an active volcano because Guatemala has so many volcanoes. Uh, it's like the land of volcanoes, which is wonderful and also quite scary. So we hiked up this one volcano called Acatenango, and at night you can see the lava kind of spewing out. But as the sun was setting, it was just the coolest setting to play the bagpipes because you've got these explosions behind you of this this. Uh, oh volcano God. going off, lava being flown out the side, and I'm playing Highland Cathedral, which was so cool. <laughs> you must just feel like going to like, this is my life. Pinch me now. <laughs> Pinch me now, but, yeah. But you're making it happen. That's not, you know, it's not just happening. Like, you are orchestrating it, like you're saying, like, you're making this happen. Do you, like, journal? I mean, I know, obviously, like, I know from all your Instagram posts, like, you know, the photography and everything's beautiful and everything that you capture there, but do you journal do you write anything down like you must have have so much in that head of yours you're like I don't want to forget any of it I I should be better but I don't I'll be honest I don't I don't write journals I I should detail more information down because I know I will forget it maybe that's a good opportunity now to start to start doing that I a couple of times I have got out the voice notes just on my phone and started speaking about stories and and kind of laughed into them and I and I think I will appreciate that in years to come, even as a memory, just for myself, I've also taken I've taken so so many videos and so much footage mm-hmm. that I do have the potential of doing YouTube videos and and Facebook videos and things like that. I would l- love to do that, and I think I think I, I I'm going to try and commit to at least a weekly video in some sort of way. I've I've actually just finally edited my first video, which I'm going to be posting oh. tomorrow. And I think again, the reason I never did that initially was because I was worried about either the backlash or, or it not being perfect, um, which is just so silly. So now I think I need to be a bit... The sounds of things. Yes, yeah, uh, maybe. Which uh, I think is the kind of artistic 
probably side of you like that you know the musician like as like the many people that I speak to on the podcast they're not all necessarily well everyone's creative but you know like their their kind of passion is not necessarily what would be deemed as a an art form or whatever but anybody that do musicians you know artists dancers they all seem to have this trait of imposter syndrome interesting one and that's kind of idea of getting something just right and agonizing for it I know I have it. I know I definitely don't get it right every time and I don't get it perfect, but just that kind of thought process that goes into it and maybe mm. not holding things back because you're like, this needs to be right. It needs to be right. And it's, it is really easy to share that as advice and I find myself doing it, but then not necessarily acting upon it myself. Oh, you can talk um, a good game, but, you know, to everybody <laughs> else, but it's, you just need to tell yourself it more often. Very true. So the the videos would be great as a bit of a journal. Um, I like the idea of storytelling, and um, and, and a big part of my my school visits is recounting um, or just telling anecdotes from my travels, which is really great fun. And I know that's like it is an art form in itself. The idea of being able to tell stories and and be engaging um, with people, and that's been a wonderful learning curve too. Knowing how and when to emphasize different points in the story, or how to spin something so that so that it, it, it becomes a slightly more slightly more amusing without bending the truth too much. Of course. No, no, no artistic license. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it's not my thing, but definitely never let truth get in the way of a good story, unless you're a politician or a journalist. <laughs> true, true. So are you planning the journey or is it you're leaving <clears throat> some of it to chance or do you have like a direct route? You're like, I'm going from here to there. How does uh, it work? It, it did work um, with a rough plan. I was getting, I've become, I've been a, getting a lot better at planning further in advance. Mm-hmm. So from January, I knew what I, what I was going to be doing and roughly where I was going to be until November, which is unusual. In previous years, I hadn't really been that good at planning that far in advance. It would honestly be maybe three, four months ahead, which is not the best way of going about stuff. Obviously, you've got to allow for a lot of flexibility, especially when you're within a country, because things will happen last minute. Some people will go, "All oh, right, will you? Can you pay the bagpipes at this wedding?" And and you've got to say yes, otherwise you don't have these lovely interactions with people. Yes. Um, so there is a lot of planning, but within that, I've got to allow a, a chunk of flexibility. However, mm. unfortunately, now given current current situation, I mean, I truly just don't know when I will be traveling again even if it even if everything was suddenly fine in a month's time i think the 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 collective memory and conscious of people the idea of traveling with what has been going on isn't responsible so i might have to put it on hold for maybe a year who knows um yeah just just to be realistic i think yeah Um, but then adapting to your current situation i love how you're now piping is it 4 p.m. that the curfew is yes. in Guatemala? Yes. I love that. Oh, it's great fun. It was actually, um, so that was imposed about two weeks ago. Uh, 4 mm. p.m. to 4 a.m. we've got to be inside, which is fair enough. It's not so bad compared to some countries around the world where it's like total, total lockdown. And yeah. on the first night, just like they had in the UK where you're clapping for the NHS, showing your support, everyone was supposed to go to the windows, clap in support of Guatemala, and I thought I'd play the bagpipes, and then I decided I was going to do it every night. Until a couple of days ago, someone in our apartment block, apparently it was just one individual, uh, ended up complaining to the, the, the management company, so they were like, really sorry, you're going to have to stop. I didn't play for one night. And then all the residents sent messages to the management company being like, why the hell is the pipe stopped? We love this, which is really oh, sweet. So yesterday and- they, they were all beg- begging for the bagpipes. Yes. Which is Moon the bagpipes. Yeah. bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny how one voice and one, you know, negativity and you're like, all right, okay. And you stop. Right. And then everybody else is like, this is amazing. Yeah. And it does. It makes you feel because I, I I really don't like the idea of upsetting people, um, which I know is, is, is or offending people. And I know that's a bit silly and maybe down to personal insecurities. But the idea that one person didn't like them, I was like, oh, that makes me sad. I'm really sorry. Of course, of course not. But now everyone, there's this WhatsApp group apparently, and they're all like ab- not abusing him, but um, messaging back, being like, you grumpy sod. Why didn't you like the bagpipes? The only place for like 30 seconds. Get over it. That's what I was thinking. I'm like. You know, if you don't like it, okay, fair enough. But I mean, I'm sure you can stomach it for you know, a song. Yeah, exactly. One tune. That's it. Chill out. 
So traveling the world, you've been to 100 countries. What has surprised you the most? Uh, what has surprised me the most? Um, there's lots of specific surprises based on different countries. I think general surprises on a, on a higher level. How everyone laughs in the same way, um, especially kids. They smile in this, at the same things. They laugh at the same things. And we all react in the same way. And that's lovely, but also frustrating because you then you go to different countries. You go to maybe a, a more economically developed com- country and then a less economically developed country. And you just think, gosh, this is so unfair. Just by the fact that you're born into this situation, how like y- your abilities are immediately limited just because of your socioeconomic status and background. Um, maybe that's not a, su- a surprising. No, that has been a surprising thing to a certain extent because you're not really you're told these things but you don't you're not fully aware of them until you visit um of course. surprising what else bagpipes are i mean i'm just i'm truly surprised how many people have appreciated them because i think growing up my parents always reminded me that like not everyone likes the bagpipes so just be aware of that um they're very actually, yeah. <laughs> actually apart from the one guy in our building yeah exactly but I, I've I've really never had I've never had a really really negative inter- interaction. Everything's been spun because of the bagpipes. Everyone's been like, "Oh, right, then you can have a photo," or "All right, we'll give your car back." Um, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 weird because you don't want obviously you don't really want a, a negative thing, a really bad thing to happen. But the bad things always make the best stories. They do. They make the funniest stories, and obviously, they they're always the most um, the biggest learning curves. Whenever mm. everything goes well, it, it's not quite as it's always visually very impressive, and I can almost match it up with the types of photos and the content that I get or create out of a trip. I mean, a classic example is uh, with lots of the work that I've done over the past couple of years. It, it would it would sometimes have involved uh, involved doing marketing campaigns or uh, so what they call social media trips with tourism boards and. Um, we're very lucky. My partner and I, Travis, we went to Jordan and we were in Jordan for a week. And I mean, the idea of getting to go to Jordan full stop, I mean, like what a privilege and how, how amazing. But because we were working with them, everything was covered. Everything was covered, which yeah. is amazing. Um, and everything was organized down to a T, a guide, and nothing was paid for. It was just so smooth. They even let me play the bagpipes in front of Petra. Have you seen, you know, that old thing in Indiana Jones? Um, yeah. Wow. Carved into, and they'd never, apparently, they'd never let a piper perform there before ever. So it's maybe the first piper to play there, who knows? Um, which, is, which is pretty cool. But things like that, it was such a wonderful experience. But looking back on it, we were like, wow, the photos are amazing. But nothing, because nothing bad happened and nothing kind of fell apart, you can't really look back and laugh and go, oh, what did I learn there? Uh, you, uh, we learned historical facts, historical things, but because nothing went wrong, uh, it, yeah, there was no bad drama. I mean, uh, what's what's a, a funny example? We were traveling through, we are in Bangladesh uh, in 2017, in December 2017. And most people, it's not the, the most popular place to travel uh, because I think what tends to happen is that if you're going to that part of the world, you either end up going to India or Sri Lanka nowadays. And getting tourist visas isn't, isn't it's not really that kitted out for tourism. We had a friend's wedding there, so that was a reason to go. And obviously, I wanted a ticket off with bagpipes. But we ended up spending three weeks. And even the Bangladeshis, when we were there, they were like, no one comes here for three weeks. <laughs> what on earth are you doing? But we decided to fly down to another city in Bangladesh called Chittagong. And on our return flight, we were checking in. And they just couldn't be bothered to check in our bags. And we were like, what? Like, our check-in bags. They're like, just take them on the plane. And as we go through... I, I like I had a knife in there because I've got my my skin do, um, yeah. and um, and obviously I checked that because you can't take it on board, uh, but that was allowed through. And then they got to my bagpipes and they were like, "Sorry, you can't take this on board." I was like, "What do you mean? You've just let a knife? You got a knife go through?" And and they were like, "Nope, not the bagpipes. I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not." Oh, I'm like, what do you mean? And so truly, I've never had to do this before. I had to get out my bagpipes and actually play them. And even then, they were like, "No." <laughs> That is bonkers. And then the, the thing that changed their mind, and, and I didn't know this was going to happen, but it made me learn a bit more about the dynamic between neighboring countries. And I was like, look, every time I travel, I'm always allowing these on board. India, in India, they let me take them on board. And they were like, oh, 
they kind of stiffened up and they were like, well, if India lets you take it on board, we will let you take it on board. And I was like, what? Because apparently there's a lot of beef between Bangladesh and India. So maybe that works with knives and things like that and taking sharp objects on things. <laughs> I can't believe that. And um, I guess like you, know, you're saying, obviously there's been trips that, you know, everything's paid for and everything's looked after for you and it's all smooth and that's lovely. But have you had to rely on the kindness of others at points to to get you places or you know? Yeah, yeah. I am um, pretty much most countries. I when I when I started travelling in 2014, I had no, no money, truly. Like, well, I had some money to pay for flights and things like that, so I was still very lucky to be able to do that. But um, the idea of saving and working out what I needed to budget on a daily basis was it took me a, a, maybe a couple of months to work that out, and. The number of times I've had people offer me a place to stay totally for free, which is just so lovely. Or there are platforms where you can do that, something called couch surfing, which I used to use quite a lot. It's basically, I mean, maybe Airbnb, but for free, which you'd kind yeah. of think, why on earth would people do that? Safety issues involved. Truly, just, just because of the goodness of, of people's hearts, they like to host people and, and have people travel. I started doing couch surfing when I was at university, actually, because I thought, uh-huh. if I'm going to do this, then I need to be a host to understand the experience of what it's like to have people stay for free. And truly, people will just sleep on the floor in your sitting room or sleep on your sofa. And as long as you don't mind sharing your space, then you're fine with it. And honestly, I, I, I don't mind at all. I really don't mind people um, in my space, in my area. Obviously, I, I do like to have my own space sometimes, but if it's a traveler for a couple of days... I, I really don't mind it. So I, I'd learned what it was like to be a host and traveling. I then started to use it quite a bit and having people host me for free. Obviously, it just blew my mind. And obviously, there's, there's, this, there's this exchange of something. Either it is a meal that you cook them or you teach yeah. them about the bagpipes. And that, that, kind, of, that kind of happens. Um, Love that. But accidentally, the first time I ever went to Paris and was when I was on this bagpiping journey. It was in 2014, I think July. I was trying to do everything as cost effective as possible. And I, I decided not to stay in Paris for even a night. Uh, so I was going to, I took the bus, the mega bus from London to Paris. Which yes, is, the mega bus. Which is just awful <laughs> because I didn't realize you couldn't buy any food or water on board. So I was <laughs> just stuck for like however many hours it was. I get, I get there and um, what did I do? I think it started raining and I thought, I was like, damn it. All I want is a photo in front of the Eiffel Tower and a pipe. And then move on. I was going to go to Switzerland next, which is just a, a mad, a ridiculous way to travel. Um, and I was in a cafe waiting for the rain to go, and I was in my kilt. And this 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 really lovely girl opposite um, just struck a conversation. She was like, why, why on earth? I'm sorry, are you in a kilt? Long story short, we ended up just chatting loads. She was from Austria, I think, or Germany. Her boyfriend was um, from Paris. And she ended up spending the whole day with me, helping me take photos, helping me carry my stuff. And she was like, look, you can spend the night here in my boyfriend's flat. They literally gave me the keys, having never met me before. And that kind of trust and level of generosity just was incredible. It's so encouraging to know that that exists. Yeah. To that level. Especially in cities like Paris and London yeah. and New York, where you sometimes feel like everyone's too busy to, to focus or to to, to, to engage in those types of things. Um, so that's been really lovely. Often, uh, and I know it's a, it's a generalization that people do share quite a lot when they travel. The less people have, the more that they give, which is just so cool and so lovely. You watch the, the Kindness Diaries on Netflix? No. Um, the I'm, guy that does it, yeah, I'm not sure what he used to do, but he basically decided to travel the world in his VW Yellow Beetle, uh, relying on the kindness of others. So he can't accept money. He can only accept kindness. And he's done two series. Oh, cool. And I'm like, why have you not got a series, Ross? Like, <laughs> why is somebody not going around the world with you filming? That would be, that'd be the dream. That has to happen. Like, your story is just incredible and it's ongoing. Do you know what I mean? It's still... You're still on this journey. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love that to happen. I, mm-hmm. but I, half of me again is this this idea of like, does it does it need to be me or should it be someone that that maybe I don't know maybe deserves it? Do we need? I know this is a really awful thing to say, but like, do we need another white man doing a YouTube channel? Um, I hear you, but um, you know, your story is important and valid and you know just like everyone else there's room for everybody sure you know everyone's story and that's kind of why I wanted to do the podcast because everybody's story is important you know and some people have asked to do the podcast and they're like me and I'm like yeah 
and they you know that that kind of imposter idea like why would you want to do a podcast to me i'm just doing my thing i'm just yeah. living my life and i'm like no I, i'm not doing the podcast to interview famous people or you know uh, you know uh, uh, that would be lovely if they want to tell their story do you know what I mean but like anybody you know everyone's got a story to tell and your story is important just like everyone else's is you yeah, know true. you're right everyone big- everyone does have a story you're right everyone does have a story and everyone can share a learning experience which 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 a portion which will be relevant to a portion of the population and which may not be relevant to a portion of the population exactly. but it doesn't mean it's not worth yeah and the fact that you're traveling the world is that you're then learning all these stories of other people and you are a very good storyteller I mean I've just been totally captivated with everything you're telling me then you can recount what is going on in the world because you are you've seen it firsthand you're maybe not living it like those people are (laughs) yeah but you're that you're meeting the people and they're telling you their story their version Mm. have there been like like moments where you've like been taught something new like somebody's taught you how to like make something or oh my god yeah i mean obviously you're teaching the bagpipes sometimes (laughs) i yeah i suppose if i I haven't really thought about it like this but i I feel like if i haven't learned something in a day then i'm like what what have i been doing this day if i haven't if i've been to a country without learning something new then what was the purpose of, of of doing it one one of these adventures that i met years ago he's a chap called dave cornthwaite might be an interesting person to talk, to talk to as well. He's a self-proclaimed adventurer, just a loveliest chap. And you know these people who are just like annoyingly like like electrifyingly inspiring to be around, just so encouraging and so lovely. It was I almost attribute all of this to him because I went after his talk. I was like, damn, I can do anything. Um, anyway, he was he has he was says and and it's not necessarily his soundbite, but it's something that he truly believes in. His do things with purpose and. Um, you can even rest with purpose, relax with purpose, because if you do something with purpose, it gives value to it. And I think when you are actively going into a situation thinking, I, I might learn something from this, obviously it gives it purpose. Um, mm-hmm. So many scenarios, whether it was learning a new, a different type of instrument, how uh, different Tunisian bagpipes are to how uh, coffee is made. Um, yeah. I mean, Guatemala is is a is an interesting country to be in because it's a huge coffee industry. One of the large, its largest export is coffee, mm. and um, I'd never really, I think, truly appreciated coffee how yeah. it works and until I've been to a coffee farm and understand the process of how it works and even small inter- interactions like that, um, whether it is going on a tour and learning about how coffee is made or where it comes from um and i know that's not necessarily bagpipe related it's just related to traveling and going we're talking about coffee i'm happy because that's my drink of choice uh, well if you like if you want a good book suggestion i read yeah. in january it's on my shelf the monk of mocha and uh, it's a lovely it's just a heartwarming story it's about a yemeni american chap who wanted to revamp the yemeni coffee industry um it's very easy to read it has some lovely almost page long or even half page long history sound bites about how the coffee industry started in india brazil things like that which is just really nice and i I kind of loved how it was written and the fact that it's a true story mental that's so cool (laughs) so are there places in the world that you're like i I need to get there i just need to i mean i I guess all of the countries obviously but are there specific ones where you're like oh yeah just need to get there iran yeah and it's just a painful I've just actually the book that I'm reading now is about um uh, an Iranian lady who moves to America and it's just so heartbreaking I mean so many stories and histories of countries are very heartbreaking but the continuous actions or sanctions that are placed on Iran I understand the politics but I don't understand the politics at all involved um and the fact that again because of a passport it makes it more difficult to go when and the people suffer as a result of it ah uh, Iran just seems like such a wonderful place. And also bagpipes are in Iran too, so that's just great. <laughs> so you need to get there. Need to get there. <laughs> what, what's the place that you've stayed in the longest? Because you were saying, you know, uh, you know, I was in Paris intentionally for a night, but then some, you know, I was somewhere else for three weeks. And obviously right now you're in Guatemala for a long the time. First yeah. Is there a period of time that you're like, that usually is about right? Good question. I think it is... Um, I try, no matter how big a country is or how small it is, I'll always try and be there for at least a week. That doesn't always pan out. Obviously, France, um, when I went there years and years ago, that wasn't the first time I'd been. It's the first time I went to 
Paris, but I, I knew because it's so close, I'll go back. So I'm not that bothered about spending less time there. Uh, a classic yeah. example is a country like Kuwait um, in the Middle East. People, tourists don't tend to go to Kuwait that often, really. It's a mm. tiny country which borders Saudi Arabia and Iraq. And I had, I was like, look, I, I, if I'm going to go to a country like that, I may, may never go back. So I need to give it a chance. And um, had about eight, nine days there. And again, one of the, one of the loveliest and most amusing uh, interactions I had. And because of that, I have to give somewhere a chance. I'll, I'll make sure I stay there about seven, eight days. Again, there's no set amount of time you can be in a location. If you're there, stamp in your passport, pipe in, moving on. Almost what's the point in going, truly? Although, I, a caveat, I have done that <laughs> like two or three times. Last year, because of Islam, travels didn't end up being as quick as possible, but I had promised people that the USA was going to be country number 100, so I needed to tick off country number 98 and 99 really quickly. So I went to, like Austria, I went to Austria for 20 hours, then I went to the Czech Republic for like 20 hours, and then Poland. But I, countries in Europe... They're so accessible and easy to get to. We're so lucky in Europe that we mm. can travel um, two hours and go to a culture which is mind-blowingly different. So I'm not so bothered about countries because I know I'll go back to um, Czech Republic. I know I'll go back to Poland and mm. Austria. Uh, it's just those countries are, are a bit more inaccessible. I, I, have to, I have to give them a chance because then I'm more likely to be able to meet people and share stories from, from, from that particular country. Yeah. So did you start as a solo traveller and now you are travelling with your partner? Uh, yes, I suppose, long story short, I started as a solo traveller and I realised how, yeah, how I'm, initially I decided I was only going to travel on my own, never join people, but then I started to realise that uh, there's so many different experiences. When you're travelling on your own, it's a very different experience to travelling in a group. Um, mm. Of four people, of five people, of ten people, every experience is different to travelling in a couple. Um so I, when I first started, of course, friends weren't going to up and just quit their jobs and enjoy me traveling. But also I didn't want that in the first place. I wanted to do it for my reason. And maybe it was a bit selfish. I wanted to do it on my terms. And I didn't want to inconvenience someone who's potentially traveling with me. So for the first couple of years, it was always on my own, which meant I was then able at the drop of the hat to be like, cool, I'll stay with you tonight without putting someone else in danger. And then as things went on, I had different friends who wanted to join. And that was also really lovely, too, because then I was able to communicate my experiences to them in a, in a nice way. And then because of Instagram and travels, I ended up meeting my other half and my fiance. That's lovely. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because um, one of the very first podcast guests I had was a guy called Bruce Smart. And he went around the world on his motorbike. That's cool. And he um, he said the same thing about traveling on your own. Like people maybe be more um, likely to you know offer you a night of theirs or a meal or something if it's just you. Mm. But you know, if it's two or three of you, then that's obviously more Different. of a consideration. You're suddenly yeah. more exclusive if you're yes. in a group or if you're in a couple because you're then less approachable um, to people. When yes. and and that's the last thing I want. I want people to come up to me and ask me why I'm wearing a, a skirt. Um, well, that's what he said. He said he was in a gas station somewhere, and somebody came up, and you know they didn't speak in English, and he didn't speak the language, and they were like, "What are you doing on this motorbike?" And he had a map of his journey on oh. his helmet. And they were like, "Oh, cool!" And they were like, "Sleep," <laughs> and he was like, "There in a field, he had a tent, and he literally just got on his motorbike and followed this guy to his house and his wife. They had a conversation." And then it was like the next minute I was eating a lovely stew and drinking vodka oh. and I stayed there. That might never have happened if I had been with other bikers, mm. you know, so just being open to, to taking those chances, I guess, which you obviously have on several occasions. Yeah. And you've got to, and I think, yeah, having to worry about your other, uh, someone else is with you, putting them in danger is not a nice feeling when, when that happens, but that's exactly right. If you're not in those situations and if you're not open to it and if you don't have necessarily a tool, whether it is your motorbike or the smile on your face, um, then it, then it might then it might not happen. And now I see that you guys are doing tours for other people to yes. to explore the globe. So where did that come from? It started uh, about maybe two and a half years ago. Gosh, it's already been mm -hmm. that long. So there's this company called Atlas Obscura. They're a New York based company, and um, these two travel writers about ten years ago wanted to create a not like a non lonely planet. That's not how they would call it, but it was almost a database of the weird and the wonderful. So rather than listing like the Eiffel Tower in Paris, it would be listing 
I don't know, a pile of stones next to the Eiffel Tower that looked like Boris Johnson. Um, love that. Love that. And <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> might be. So it was just weird and wonderful stuff that you could see. And I, I don't know how I chanced upon it, but years and years ago, maybe three, four years ago or more, I, I found it and I thought this was a really cool way to travel. And I sometimes would even specifically play the bagpipes at these weird locations listed on Atlas Obscura website. Then I just thought one day I was like, maybe I could, maybe I could work with them somehow. So I get in contact with them and they're like, no, we need you to move to New York and you'd have to stop traveling. So not going to happen, but we're starting to do these things called trips. And then the coming years, we want you to design one for Scotland. So that gave me the idea that maybe I could do Scotland trips, but they wanted a more higher end type thing. And, um, and then with that confidence, I thought maybe I could do my own trip. So I started doing these trips, but with Travis, long story short, I created a, a, a little travel company called Brecken's. Brecken's being the Gallic word for tartan, yes. which, is, which is really cool. And it's just such a, it's a nice word as well. It's familiar because everyone goes, oh, Brecken Beacons. And I'm like, sort of, but not really, uh, but we'll go with it. Um, Brecken Beacons obviously being in Wales, if, you, if you're from Wales, if you know where that is, listeners. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Yes, we, we, our first trip was in, was in July 2019, last year, as a Brecken's trip. And that was really fun because we just marketed it on our social media and it sold out kind of within 48 hours. Um, That's amazing. But again, and I know, sorry, it's annoying to almost bring this up. I did feel like a bit of an imposter because I'm thinking, how, how can I have the right to be able to do this? Because I didn't, I wasn't, I, I didn't grow up in Scotland and I'm showing these people to a country which I have been told that I come from, um, which I love very, very much. And then again, after doing the trip, and, and, I, and I voice these concerns with these visitors, and they go, it doesn't matter. It's not like, it doesn't make it any less valid. We've still had these wonderful experiences, and you've been able to share your slice of what Scotland is like. And that's why, that's why they wanted to join, which is, which is enlightening and quite a nice way of looking at it. Our second trip we did was in Indonesia because Travis lived there for a couple of years and speaks um, Bahasa Indonesian. And again, I think maybe he had the same concerns. He's like, am I being a bit of an imposter? But then again, people have joined us because they want to know how we can share a story. And that, that again, it's a slightly different type of travel and it's something that Atlas Obscura, this company, is trying to push as well. You're not necessarily mm. traveling to these locations because of the country, but you're doing it because you specifically want to join that trip leader because of how they can tell a story. Where you've been in the world and what you've seen and what you've experienced, like, of course, people would want to come and travel with you. <laughs> I think it's, it's, yeah, it's almost it's, like having a favorite, maybe author. Um, if if you, yeah. you read a certain style, so you would want to follow or even get your haircut, you go and get your haircut with your stylist the person that cuts your hair because you trust them and you know that they can cut your hair in a certain way yeah and i i do really appreciate you being that honest on several occasions about your kind of worry about being an imposter i think that that you know certainly gives me the confidence just just get a go just do it you don't need to have been the best at everything to to try something new or just to give it a go or and you will mess it up we will mess it up but who cares yes. yeah well, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, are you going to not do anything and then ha have all these regrets like you were talking yeah. about earlier on? You know, you just got to do stuff and see. Make your thoughts become things. I like that. Exactly, exactly. I, I might so, have to borrow that if you don't mind. I'm sure I got it from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we are currently in, you know, a very weird and wonderful time, a very harrowing time as well for a lot of people. And, yes. you know, COVID-19 is touching everybody's lives in some way shape or form after this I definitely feel that well I hope I hope I hope I hope that the world will bring back this more this sense of community certainly mm. in Scotland you know and we're, we're a friendly nation mm. but we all in the, the age of internet and go 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 and everything's immediate I think we're having to learn to be patient but also the kind of idea of community mm. and connecting with people connecting with strangers <laughs> You know, giving them our smile in the street and stuff. And I hope that, you know, obviously in your travels, you've experienced other people's kindness, but some of us probably don't experience it to mm. that degree on an everyday level. You know, you just stick to your clan. Yeah, because you're not given you're, the opportunity to based yeah. on your current scenarios. And you're, I, I do hope the world changes for, for better. I think 
many, many aspects of life will change. People's attitudes towards travel, like you said, community. I hope that changes too. I just wonder, I still wonder how it's going to happen if, if it happens or with whether people will just resort back to their old, same old. I, I, I really mm. hope there's a greater value on things like the arts and, and, and culture and things like that because, I mean, it is, this isn't something I've thought of myself because it's all over the internet, um, that in times like this, everyone turns to the arts to survive. Everyone turns right. to the, the entertainers who are at the bottom rung of society, but not just the arts. Everyone ha- turns to those that we find most valuable, whether they are the NHS workers, whether they are people who are cleaners, who are, who are on their hands and knees cleaning hospitals or, or teaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. And we just remember what we've been saying now, and it still applies in bloody a year's time when we think, do I put my pound here or do I put my pound there? Even using different things, and I thought about it today, I do think about it every day, and again, I'm, I'm not perfect at doing it, like uh, remembering where and how your money is placed, like whether you are shopping through Amazon or shopping through your local co-op or even through John Lewis. I mean, I know the idea of... Um, uh, uh, so every com- every supporting any company supports jobs and things like that but there's certain ways of doing it and understanding where your money goes this could this could be another podcast in itself. <laughs> like i mean i've been doing some instagram lives with people that have been previously on the podcast you know and i had one the other night there with a guy who runs a local gym and the, the reason why he started the gym was because his uh, grandparents used to own chip shops and they had this kind of real sense of community. People would come into the cafe and talk and he felt that that had been lost. Like all the miners clubs locally had all shut down. So he wanted to start a gym for his love of fitness and health. Um, But a real community and his, you know, his gym is incredible and his community have totally just like arms right round him. And people have been contacting him, his members saying like, don't stop my membership. We'll still pay you. You know, he's doing things online and stuff, but that sense of community, and he's a small business he's got a family yeah but people are you know are supporting him and they're not just going oh well you know i'll not pay you this month because we're not going to the gym and he's doing his best to keep his business alive online and stuff so people people are doing the right thing a lot of people are doing the right thing by you know the small guy and i hope i hope that just continues i really hope that really hope that continues but I, I love like just like you were saying the arts and stuff like you playing the bagpipes at four o'clock every day and your whole your whole building bar one saying we love this. <laughs> then you're you're doing your your small bit to yeah. keep everybody's spirits up and I love that. I really admire that. So well done. Keep playing. <laughs> I could talk to you for hours. Your story is just incredible. But I wonder if you would. Um, Humour me and doing some of these questions are called the thingamabob. So I always do a okay. round at the end of our chat. Yep. And it's just to get to know the person a wee bit better. Perfect. Okay. Right. Okay. This is a really difficult one. First of all, um, salt or sugar in your porridge? Oh, salt. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, you were all over that. Good. Excellent. It divides yeah. the nation, that one. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I don't want to make you sad, oh, no. but what, what do you miss about home? Uh... Uh, I don't know actually. Ooh. Uh, quite a lot of stuff actually. Um, I just, I suppose the countryside. <laughs> oh, Ross, I really, I really genuinely didn't mean to make you sad. I really apologise. That's okay. <laughs> wow. Didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> Neither did I, or else I wouldn't have asked. If you could. Speak any language or play any instrument, what would you choose? Oh, that's a good question. I would speak any language. Nice one. Well, you've always got the bagpipes. You can play one instrument. I've got the bagpipes. Oh, sorry about that. Gosh, I didn't realize that was gonna. I'm so sorry. I genuinely like tonics tea cakes or something. (laughs) Like, that was just a genuine. I think it, I think I've, I've taken that from the list of the normal questions not being sensitive to what's going on just now so I really apologize you and your imposter syndrome I also have a people-pleasing syndrome so I'm going to now stress about this <laughs> don't worry please don't worry don't worry Ooh, wow I mean it's good to, it's good to have a wee greet it is it is indeed but you don't want to see my greet I'm going to turn the camera off <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not attractive 
Favourite view? Now, I know that that's probably quite a difficult one because you have had a lot of favourite views. You, you've had all the views. Oh, favourite view, if I had to choose one, would be the one from my parents' home in um, Dumfries and Galloway. Nice one. No, so they have this really lovely, they live in somewhere called Ockingcairn, which is, do you know, the, um, the Wicker Man Festival used to be there. Um, yeah, cool. Until it's obviously stopped for various reasons, um, which they might start it up again, apparently. Anyway, so Ockingcairn, uh, and they live up on, up on the, the hill, Ben, ben Gern, and it has this wonderful view of the bay, Ockingcairn Bay, and across the water on a clear day, you can see uh, England, you can see Cum- Cumbria? I think it would oh. be Cumbria. It's just so beautiful. So beautiful, and it's so green. I love it. I ask everybody at the end, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, favourite Scottish word or phrase. Um, I mean, I'll be very honest, lots of of Scots words weren't really used at home growing up, so it would be more ones that I've I've kind of learnt from aunts and uncles who are from Dumfries and Galloway, and it wouldn't necessarily be whole phrases actually <laughs> there's it's not a it isn't a scottish phrase is it okay one of them is i'm um, from my auntie izzy who unfortunately passed away in in september um and from castle douglas and kukubri and she says just because you're born in a barn doesn't make you a horse <laughs> and that's in reference to lots of us who weren't born in scotland but who obviously still feel scottish and she w- would always say that to remind us Oh no, what's the other one my mum would say it when we were eating? Ah, uh, oh, that was it. I'm nafal but I have plenty. Ah, no one said that one yet. Really? I'm nafal but I have plenty. And I remember when I was younger, the first time I heard, I think my grandmother say it, and I didn't understand her because she, it was in, it's funny, when you, when you have memories of accents or like family members, you, you don't remember them having an accent. They just were like grandma or like auntie. And then when other people speak of them and they were like, they they had like full on Scottish accent. And you're like, did they? <laughs> um, and and it must have been because she said it probably in a very very um, Scottish way. I'm nafal, but I have plenty. And I remember being like, what does that mean? <laughs> that reminds that me of my a- grandma and my mother. As a result, this has been a total pleasure. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm sorry for crying. Oh. Oh, please don't be sorry. I um, apologise for making you cry. It's not something I do very often. So I mean, was that a first? The one in- that's the f- yeah. Well. I mean, you are the first piper, so you might as well be the first crier on, first on the brain. But honestly, this has been a total pleasure, and I think you're doing amazing things. As are you. You're, Thank you for sharing people's stories. It's wonderful. It's, it's a total pleasure, and um, I'm glad we could do this. This is a bit crazy. Like, you're in Guatemala, and I'm in Bells Hill, <laughs> and we're having, a, we're having a conversation. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Lisa. All the best. Stay safe, and, stay and, safe and hopefully you'll be moving around the world playing the pipes very soon. Yes. Okay, lots of love. Bye for now. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.